here comes the money. You're now listening to the Gambling with Gold podcast with Jason Gold. Presented by Champions Round. Welcome to episode 68 of Gambling with Gold. My name is Jason Gold, and as always, I am joined by my buddy from the Action Network, Dan. Dan, a big old gambling slate to talk about today. We got the final four, what I'm calling the Coach K funeral party on Bourbon Street, if we get our wish. Then we have all sorts of NBA games, and then we're going to finally start talking about some NFL draft props, which is my favorite, one of my favorite things to gamble on all year. I know that's how we started doing the podcast last year was doing NFL yeah. draft props. Bringing it back full circle one year into this thing. How you doing on this Thursday? Doing great, man. As you said, we got a bunch of stuff lined up. I mean, between the college final four and we got NBA going on, like the season's winding down, about to be playoff mode. And then the NBA, the NFL draft is going to be here before we know it. So, yeah, man, it's an exciting time to be a better always. And then next week we get the Masters. Can't wait for that. A little golf action. Uh, favorite tournament of the year. So that's going to be many, many units wagered and lost uh, on the Masters, but I can't wait for it. <laughs> All right. Why don't we start with this final four Saturday, April 2nd, 3.09 p.m. Pacific. First game on the board, Villanova plus four and a half against Kansas. Uh, total set at 132 and a half right now. Nova coming in at 165 on the money line, Kansas minus 200. These lines are uh total opened 131 so it's up a bit 132 and a half the number on the nova kansas game so justin moore their guard probably their second or third best player on the team tears his achilles in the elite eight game he will not obviously not be participating so this line with him in the game i've heard from some sharps one to one and a half on kansas so you got to figure that moore is worth a point and a half so you're at three and I think that people outside of the market, general gamblers who don't know about college basketball, said, okay, we're at three. There's a big guy injured. We're going to jack it up even more. So now you're sitting at four, four and a half. I think Villanova, I mean, I, I'll let you get to it, but like, do you think that they're going to muck up the game? And maybe we're looking at an under and a Villanova plus four and a half here. I don't see any world in which Kansas is going to get out and just do what they did to Miami in the second half there. Yeah, and I, I think that that's where I'm going with it. You know, I'm betting the first half under at 61 and a half. Three out of the four Nova games have gone under. And since the Sweet 16, unders are 11 and one. So, and the first half, that is. Um, in wake of Justin Moore's injury, like this guy was getting, he had the most, he averaged the most minutes on the floor for the Nova Wildcats. And he's their second lean score at almost 15 a game. So, what does Jay Wright do? He already has a tight rotation. The according to Ken Palm, Villanova ranks 300 in percentage of minutes allotted to the bench, so they have a really small unit. I think we're going to see more Eric Dixon in this matchup. The only way that Villanova's gonna be able to stay in this game is to stop Kansas's pace, and the way you do that is to play defense. And I think that they're going to do that. That's what Villanova does well. That's why Jay Wright, we talked about before we got on the show, it's not about really the players, it's about the strategy. And for me, Jay Wright in this spot, like he's proven it time in and time out like he can match up and, st and strategize against oppo opponents so i think they're gonna slow the tempo down kansas will eventually figure it out um because as we saw against miami like they went on a, what they won the second half 47 to 12 it's like insane. they can get buckets when they when they get hot but i think starting out you know starting to get yourself together on a neutral court 
feeling each other out, strategizing. I think it's going to be a little slow-paced game, which is exactly what Villanova wants. So I'm going to take Kansas two and a half in the first half also. Because I, I still think that they'll maintain the lead. I think it's going to be a slower-paced game. So under 61 and a half as well. So I love that first half under. It's kind of where I was going to go too. I was going to split it between first half and game, maybe even full unit bets on each. I just yeah. think that, first of all, I'll take Jay Wright over Bill Self any day of the week. I don't care. Same. Jay Wright is Same. absolutely one of the best coaches in the entire world. He will have a strategy to only utilize his seven guys and to go full max defense. Also, there's something to be said in these games, Final Fours, like we still have another game on Monday, right? Are we going to go full max effort in the first half? No. These guys are trying to save a little bit in the tank for Monday. I think it leads in both these games, perhaps, that first half under. Although, Duke, North Carolina, which we'll get to in a second. Those guys, that's their national championship game. So, maybe they do go full out. Villanova, <laughs> Villanova Kansas, I think they're going to settle into the game nice and slow. You're playing in a big environment. We know that the shooting percentages generally go down. When you get to these big uh, NFL stadiums that they're playing in, they're playing at the Caesar Superdome. Uh, so, yeah, give me that. 61.5 first half for sure. 132.5. I kind of like that even more just because it's been bet up already from 131 to 132.5. I feel like I'm getting a little value against the market. Maybe I wait until the last second here, hoping that the right. public wants to bet overs in this game. But I do like that that Villanova plus 4.5. These guys, they're so feisty. They're playing this really short roster, seven guys. Kansas, Abaji's been terrible in this tournament. So they've played they played four games, and they probably played only played one good half of basketball the entire time, which was the second half versus yeah. Miami, who was yeah. also a ten seed. Like Kansas has rolled through nobody's. Let's let's remember. So the they, had the they had the easiest path. They had the easiest path. Yeah, and that was that was pre tournament. Then they got an easier path in the tournament. You got to play <laughs> Providence, who we know is the biggest joke of all time. Then you got to play Miami, who's a 10 seed, who had to walk through Iowa State to get to the Elite Eight. And their first two games, it was nothing. So, yeah, they played one good half of basketball. This is Villanova. Villanova's won two championships in the last five years, six years. This is a yeah. good-ass team, even without Justin Moore. So I, I'm going to bet Villanova plus four and a half, under first half, 61 and a half, and under 132 and a half for the game. Yeah, I feel like the depth, the lack of depth is event in the second half is going to hurt Villanova because the thing about Kansas that's good is that, I mean, they got bucket getters off the bench. Remy Martin, he's yeah. had a couple of good good games and then also not so good of games. Um, but then they also have a pretty a pretty good front court too <clears throat> in McCormick um, as well as Wilson. So like I, I think that they, they're just going to be too much in the end, but I'm not mad at picking Villanova if you think this is going to be a tight game, if they can – slow down to the pace to the way that they want to play. I, yeah, I mean, I think it's that. And I just think it's like, you give me a timeout with four minutes left and the game's, if Villanova's down by three, Yeah, I'm trusting Jay Wright to make that close. Like four and a half seems like too much. If this was two and a half, yeah, I'd probably take Kansas. I think there's a good chance this game ends at three or four for uh, for Kansas here. Could see that. All right, uh, let's, go to, let's get to the, I mean, the fact that we get this game in the final four, Coach K's last year, is you you don't believe in God and I don't we, we don't have to talk about religion but like there's some <laughs> sort of there's some sort of stars that are lined for this shit there's someone putting this together book in the sky it's just like yep that's what you're gonna get for your last game Coach K you're gonna get North Carolina two teams that have never faced each other in the tournament Coach Wild. K's been there Coach K's been there since before my mom and dad even fucking met each other he's been there forever <laughs> and they haven't met in the tournament 
now you get it in his last game potentially ever in the final four i mean can't script it any better absolutely not cannot and you know both of these teams blew each other out in the in the two matchups that they played both games went over by a pretty considerable margin and i i'm just this is the this is the game i've been waiting for for so long like i wish we had some of the nba caliber talent that we've had in years past with these rosters but Nonetheless, like the story of UNC and the road that they've gotten here as the eight seed, I slept on them. I, I didn't think that they were that good coming out of the ACC tournament, but this team is locked in at the right time. Armando Baycock is becoming one of the most, the best interior bigs in college basketball right now. I mean, just the, I mean, yeah, granted it was against St. Peter's, but to have 20 and 20, like a lot of people don't do that. That's harder than you think. So um, just between that and RJ Davis, like I love the way he's been playing point guard and we saw like, I guess if I'm looking at it, if I'm thinking about strategy-wise, what worked for UNC? Because I'm on personally, and I know you are as well. This is Team Fuck Duke here. I'm a hope <laughs> Yep. Got to. <laughs> but, like, what really worked was that they just blitzed everybody else except Bancaro. So if you do that and just let him win, he'll win his one-to-one -one matchups. Let him get buckets. If you take out everybody else, the A.J. Griffins and, you know what I'm saying, like, I think that was the recipe to win. And I would imagine they would try to do that again, but... I don't know. Coach K is a pretty good coach, so I don't know. I'm curious to see what Duke does to combat the strategy that was used last time to really just outwit them and just beat them on their home floor in Cameron Indoor the last time Coach K was going to be there. Oh, man, that energy would be so great if they just kicked them out of the out of the Final Four as well. I'm all in the uh, UNC, man. Plus four. Let's go. Yeah, so North Carolina, bet MGM, plus four and a half, minus 115 to that side. Uh, total 151 and a half. It opened at 150. North Carolina plus 155 uh, on the money line. Duke at minus 190. Look, Duke has the most talent of any team left in the tournament. Uh, certainly NBA wise, but I think Definitely. now, I mean, the guys that they can just break out is insane. They've They're played young, though. Yep, true. Uh, they've played a couple of really nice games in a row. The win versus Texas Tech. I think people sleep on how yeah. difficult that was. There are Great a bunch defense. of 19. A bunch of 19-year-olds going against a bunch of 22-year-olds uh, in that defense. That was a really, really impressive win. The win in the Elite Eight, I mean, they're, they're just awesome. And if Bancaro gets going, you're right. UNC might let it happen. But I feel like if he's starting to stir the pot, watch out. I feel like everyone else kind of feeds off what he's got going on. Um, yeah. It'll be an interesting game. So UNC, obviously, uh, plus 11 and a half last time they met. At Cameron Indoor, mine probably should have been like nine and a half. It was juiced up because it was Coach K's last game, whatever. But now you're looking at four and a half on a neutral. It's a pretty sizable difference, and probably North Carolina has earned it. They underperformed during the season, but they certainly have the guys capable of being really successful. Talent-wise, they're probably just a hair below Kansas and Duke in terms of the Final Four, but they probably have more overall yeah. talent than Villanova does. Actually, I would say definitely have more overall they talent definitely than Villanova do. Yeah. does. Um, but they're, they're hot. They're, they've won 16 of their last 19 games. That has been since Manic entered the starting lineup. Uh, 18 of those 19 games have been decided by 10 points or more. So two blowout losses, but 16 wins. It would have just been absolute domination. Uh, I think their only win that wasn't by double digits was the UCLA win in the sweet 16. And that UCLA team you saw last year, the UCLA team, team is sick. And Very the fact team. that they were, 
remember when we were talking last week, I said there's no chance that North Carolina can win a rock fight versus Mick Cronin. They won a rock fight versus Mick Cronin. <laughs> they absolutely did. I mean, the pace was probably yeah. a little bit higher than Cronin would have wanted, but at the end, that was a slugfest. And it was. UNC absolutely rose to the occasion and, and did what they had to do. Uh, I'm really interested to see what happens in this game. Obviously, I'm rooting for North Carolina. This is one of those throw out whatever my handicap is. I'm going to back North Carolina. I think yeah. that Duke's probably going to end up winning this game. I think that the final, the finals is going to be Kansas Duke. Uh, I think that, I think coach K is going to get his revenge. I think there's mo- more overall talent here, but God, am I hoping that North Carolina gets this done? <laughs> I, if I get to see videos of North Carolina people, you know, grave stomping down bourbon street after the game <laughs> on Saturday night, I'm going to be a happy man. Me too, man. Me too. Uh, nothing. Nothing brings me more joy than a Duke loss. So um, I'm all for it. Uh, so have you bet the exact outcomes? Because I, I got, I scooped up Kansas to win it all at plus 180. And I picked Kansas to face UNC at, at plus 450 in the championship game. So and I think I've seen some Duke out there for like, what, plus 300, plus 350, something like that. I have not bet any futures uh, on any of this because – mostly because I want to root for North Carolina, but I actually don't believe that they're going to win. Uh, so what I should do is bet Duke and Kansas. And then I think that, right. I don't I actually don't know who will win that game. Uh, I'll take the under in that game though. So uh, long story short, no, I'm just going to bet on Nova and North Carolina and definitely the under in Kansas and see where we're at, but I'll be rooting for North yeah. Carolina hard. Just going for the dogs. I like it. Got to do it. Got to do it. Um, all right. I guess we're through that. I got, uh, I got a couple of player props I want to throw out there. Though. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Uh, so the first one, so we talked about Justin Moore and his injury. Uh, the one person that came in and really did a great job when the one game that that Justin Moore missed this season was Eric Dixon. He's a redshirt sophomore, and he's been getting a lot of love from Jay Wright in the pressers, um, as well as what he did against UConn, the game that Justin Moore missed. He scored 24 points on 15 shots, also had 12 rebounds. Right now, his point prop is sitting at 8.5. I think that's too low, and you can get it at plus money. So I'm going to take the over on that, just given what he did sans Justin Moore last time and the energy that Jay Wright is putting towards his way. I think he's going to actually be a pretty big factor in this game. And, and get some more minutes. So even if he gets three to five more minutes, that that's a better opportunity for him to, you know, get a couple more shots in what could be a slow tempo game where they're going to need some close buckets. So um, he's an interior guy, gets good shots, efficient shots close to the rim. So I think he'll have a nice little day. Um, right. The other one, so that's you one for Villanova. One yeah. Well, was for the Nova Kansas game. And the other one I like is uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Manic. You, you mentioned him earlier, but I think Brady Manic um, is a good spot at plus money to get over two and a half threes. He only registered a total of two threes in the first two matchups versus Duke. But since the tournament has happened, this guy's just been launching them. Uh, 47% clip. He's hitting, he's shooting eight, eight and a half attempts per game. He's hitting over four uh, per game. So uh, with Duke, they ranked 56 this year in three pointers allowed. And with this game total being obviously the best of the two games, I think this is going to be a pretty high scored affair. Uh, Manic should be able to let off. So um, I think that there's some vulnerability on that wing for Duke and uh, Manic can definitely hit at least three, three pointers here. Well, we're going to need Manic to go absolutely insane. Maybe not as insane as the Baylor game where he's elbowing everybody and getting kicked out of the game, but like <laughs> just as hot as he was 
right before that happened. Uh, You know, one of the things that is going to be really important in this game, Manic, in order to stay on the floor, is going to have to play. He's either going to have to be lights out offensively or do something defensively. He's terrible defensively, and he's going to be up against Bancaro. Uh, So he better be draining threes or else his ass is off the floor. So I kind of like it from from that angle. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're going to be throwing a couple of different bodies at Bancaro. There's not really, I mean, he's he's top five player in the country right now and, and easily, you know, in consideration for the top draft pick. So, yeah, it's going to be tough to stop him regardless of who's on him. But, yeah, certainly Manic is not going to be the one that's going to be stopping him long term. All right, why don't we close out the college segment with this and we'll head over to NBA. If you have the number one pick in the draft right now, who are you taking? Ooh. Man, it depends on the team and the need. So right now, the worst teams in the in the NBA are the Detroit Pistons, the Thunder, and the Houston Rockets. So you play the lottery balls. If any of those three teams end up, let's just assume that's the Thunder. Um, I think Chet is is the pick. They don't have a front court player in OKC, so you know I think he could actually pair really well with a guy like Shea Gilgis Alexander. They have a really young core. So I think that there's room to grow and build, and that's a franchise that's certainly willing to wait because they've been waiting, selling off all of their assets for the last, like, five years. Um, If it's the Rockets, uh, they don't need a big man. They'll probably trade Christian Wood, and they'll let Alper and Sagoon be the the center of the future there. So I would say, like, maybe like a – ooh, man, it's – Ben Carrington has, like, a four there, you know, like a a hybrid three-four. Um, because he's pretty he's, he's very talented offensively. Um, but I also admit Jaden Ivey could he could yeah. definitely be make his make his move. Uh Keegan Murray, I thought I thought he had a chance, but like I didn't really like what I saw out of the Iowa game um to push him that far up. But yeah, I, I would say Ben Carroll's probably certainly in the running. Chet Holmgren's gotta be in the running despite his size. Um Who's the kid and from there's probably going to be some international player that comes out of nowhere, too. Who's the kid from Auburn? Jalen Smith? Yeah, he's been getting some hype, too. Um, to be honest, I didn't watch many Auburn games this year outside of them losing in the tournament. Um, but I, I did see him getting some love as well. Um, oh, odds, aren't, odds aren't nearly. Jabari Smith. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, Jalen Smith's yeah. on the uh, Pacers. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, Jabari Smith, I know at this point probably – top basically the top four picks in some order are going to be chet bancaro ivy and jabari smith uh yeah I, from what i've seen and this is only tournament based i would take bancaro chet chet's really interesting but like you need to have a full scale plan to deal with him and right it, oklahoma city is like the perfect place for him to land if he's gonna yeah like, i think he's gonna have to like get room to grow get into that nba body whatever that's gonna mean for him like he kind of has a, a a Durant build of super skinny or like Brandon Ingram, super skinny, probably won't put on that much weight, but him put on 20 pounds, you won't even notice it, but it's still there. But uh, yeah. he's, he's very skilled though. So like, I mean, he can handle the ball great defensively, um, doesn't take any shit, plays with a chip on his shoulder. Like he's not soft. So I think that that's like one of the stigmas that Gonzaga players get is that they're just like soft and like whack, but he's, he's definitely for real. The uh, SGA Giddy. Holmgren pairing is very interesting. It's it's definitely a weird team. Yeah, yeah, that would be a super weird. Like if they all developed into like eighty percent of their potential, that team's yeah. a really interesting team in the playoffs. Where like they're a matchup nightmare. To, uh could be. 
size wise yeah, yeah yeah and quickness like they all yeah i think that that would be a really good all, all really good passers mm-hmm. like the ball movement but imagine if, three would be crazy if, if, i would love to see detroit get bancaro uh because jeremy grant is trying to get out of there i think he would fit in perfectly with like Cade cunningham and uh that young roster that, that would be sick Cade and bancaro they almost overlap a little bit too much on what they want to do uh yeah. <laughs> i think that there would be a lot of you know who's Who's the guy uh, mm-hmm. that would be kind of interesting? But if they figure out a way to work together, that's a really scary 2 3 or 3 4, however you want to play them. Yeah, totally agree. All right, let's move over to some NBA bets for Thursday. I'm on board. Your Philadelphia 76 minus nine and a half at the Detroit Pistons totals 223 and a half. I don't basically have anything on any of these games, so I'm just going to let you go to town here. <laughs> um tell me what i'm supposed to bet tell me where i make the money and play i'll tell problems. you what i'll tell you what you don't do don't bet the sixers nine and a half against the detroit pistons because the detroit pistons have been the best team against the spread as underdogs since the all-star break they continually get disrespected on their lines and they've just been flourishing i'm not betting detroit here just because i gotta watch this sixers game and i can't bear to watch them get their ass beat by the detroit pistons right now um, but if I was to bet it, if I didn't have this Homer in me, I would probably bet Detroit nine and a half, just given what they've Where been you... doing. They've been covering crazy. So this line, uh, open nine and a half, went to 10, now nine and a half, 64% of the bets, 87% of the money is on the Pistons. So probably a little bit sharp towards Pistons here. And I get it nine and a half at homes a lot. Where do you fall right now on the MVP race? Cause we've seen a lot of movement in the market where Jokic is now a minus 150-ish favorite uh, until a week ago, Embiid was the favorite. Seems like it's down to those two. Uh, where do you kind of net out on that? Got some tickets out there. I got Embiid at plus 1,600, so 16-1, to 1, um, which was really nice back in, like, January, maybe December. I got it a while ago. And then I also have a ticket that I bought for Jokic at plus 400 when uh, Embiid started sailing off. So I'm I'm definitely invested in them both, but at this point, I still think that there's value on Jokic. Um, a straw poll came out by Tim Bontomps of ESPN that had most of the, I guess, the prospective media voters for the award um, had Jokic getting a majority of those votes, and we did see a swing in the market um, of Embiid not becoming the favorite in a couple of books and still there being plus money available for Jokic. So if I'm betting right now, the way that the Sixers look, the fact that Glenn Rivers has already said that the starters are going to be rested at some point, you know, down the stretch. I think there's momentum leaning away from Embiid and more action actually going towards Jokic because Jokic isn't going to take a game off. Like the Denver Nuggets are in this middle ground playoff race here, like five, six seed. They're not going to get into the playing game, but like, you know, the seeding still matters as the Sixers, you know, I feel like the Eastern Conference is so wide open right now. I don't think anyone really cares just as long as they're not in the first seed. So I'm not going to be surprised if the Sixers take off a couple games here, end up in like the second, third seed, try to avoid that Brooklyn matchup or potentially even Toronto. Um, Speaking of which, something that I just read yesterday, which was interesting, uh, apparently GMs were polled about how many teams, uh, which teams were fully vaccinated. The Bucks and the... Yeah, it was like the Bucks and the uh, Celtics, I think, are both fully vaccinated, came out, said that they were. The Sixers yeah, have said nothing. The Nets, mm-hmm. we know, are not. 
Um, Chicago Bulls have said nothing. So they have, to, they have to go to Toronto, right? They have to go to Toronto. That that's that's going to have huge implications on the Eastern Conference. So um, back to your original question, I would buy buy Jokic shares right now, before, while it's still plus money. Um, there's some books to where it is. I would identify those if you can. Um, I would not buy any tickets on Embiid because I think the value's lost. Giannis is an interesting case, but I think it's more. I think he's probably the dark horse out of the three. Yeah, I, I don't think that Giannis has a chance. Really, is between those two, and I, I think that Jokic probably up to minus two hundred right now. It's probably yeah. a good bet based on everything that you said. Um, yeah. I also like that you snuck in the Glen Rivers and not Doc Rivers. That was maybe my favorite thing of that whole. There's there's uh, only one Doc in Philly, and it is is Doctor J. It is, it will never be Doc Rivers. That guy sucks. We need a new head coach. My my Vegas friend, Doctor J. Lovely man. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, right. <laughs> that's your boy uh, now. My boy. Uh, <laughs> all right. Next game on the board. This is probably the best game of the day. Bucks plus one and a half at the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, total 243 and a half. God, that is a high total. Uh, Brooklyn minus 130 on the money line. I I don't know much about this game, but 243 and a half. Give me the under all day. That is way too high seemingly. Facts. So I actually bought in on, I got this right when the, uh, the, the market dropped at 238. So I took the over on that, but I feel like 240, 241 is like the range where I'm like, ah, I'm gonna stay away. So the fact that it's now, you said 243, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm definitely 43 and a half. Up. Yeah. I probably under on that one. That's a lot of points. Granted the, the Bucks defense hasn't been as good as it it's been in the past. Like they've been, certainly letting up more points um, over the last couple of weeks than they're used to. I think they're still integrating Brooke Lopez into this lineup. You know, he missed a ton of games over the course of the season. Um, so it's kind of a slow road back, but um, this Nets offense is, is dynamic. We know that. So there's going to be a lot of points to be had here. Um, so I, I think this is going to be a track meet. So, but 243 is still a high number. So um, I feel you on taking the under there. Um, do have a player prop for this game. I'm going to go yes. Kevin Durant over 37 and a half rebound points plus rebounds. Um, given that this is going to be a track meet, uh, we have seen Kevin Durant's assists go up recently, but I think this is going to actually going to be more of a game where he's going to be utilized, um, you know, stretching out to the wing, getting those rebounds. He's going to drop probably close to 28, 29 points, if not 30, his market's at 30 and a half. I think um, he get that on the road that on the roll that he's on. And um, I think he's going to get up against this game. Um, definitely remembers the playoffs. He never forgets anything. I think he's going to want to go at, you know, the the dark horse MVP at, at Giannis. And Giannis has just been playing outside of his mind lately. I mean, just absolutely destroyed the Sixers in that third quarter uh, or in the yeah. fourth quarter last game. So um, I think it's going to be a good good game for Kevin Durant, Giannis. I might be you might be able to buy the dip in Kyrie Irving, who hasn't played that well. Um, I think his points prop is at twenty three and a half. It was 24. I think that's a pretty safe number for him, but he is going to be guarded by Drew Holiday, who we know gives everybody problems. So um, spot, no one can guard him on the buck on the Milwaukee Bucks. All right. Next game on the board, two teams that I'm pretty sure played last night, uh, Cleveland plus five and a half at Atlanta total 229 and a half. Given the fact that both teams played last night and the Cavs are without everybody uh, kind of like the first <laughs> half, kind of like the first half under here. Um, that's kind of my initial lean based on what I'm seeing. This number looks like it's going to end up at six for Atlanta. Uh, also kind of interested in some Kevin Love over props. Uh, didn't play didn't play that well last night, but I hit an over on his assist of two and a half. He ended up at three. 
just based on the fact that Mobley's out and Love didn't play that many minutes last night, and now you're coming into a back-to-back. I know he's older. Maybe the body isn't going to get ready for the back-to-back, but I, I feel like Kevin Love maybe over PRA might be a good angle here. So I think you said it well. Um, because this is a back-to-back, we know Kevin Love's age. Uh, he wasn't ready to go for the full workload. But this is an important game for Cleveland and the Hawks. More so for Cleveland, man. They're going the wrong direction right now. And uh, the last thing they need is to find themselves in a potential playing opportunity here. So um, Cleveland needs this game. Uh, be that they're both on a back-to-back, I got to feel like, ah, man, this is probably my gross bet of the night. I'm going to take the Hawks. I took him at minus four and a half, but now that's at five and a half, I would still, that's probably my cutoff point. If it goes any higher than that, I'm not playing it, but I would go to the Hawks minus five and a half only because the Cleveland Cavaliers have been a completely different team without Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Karis Levert's been playing really well. He's finally getting back into the flow of things, but they can't really stop anybody right now. And I would say the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Chicago Bulls are the teams that I'm most concerned about in the Eastern Conference right now. Um, and the Atlanta Hawks have actually been playing pretty well. They're one of the top, I think they're top 12 in offensive efficiency this season. Their defense is suspect, but good thing you're not playing against Evan Mobley and, and Jared Allen. So that's two less people you got to really worry about in that interior. They'll get up the floor against this Cleveland team. So the first, the under scares me a little bit. I, I actually feel like even though they might have some tired legs, Atlanta played against what the Thunder last night. So that's not really even yeah. a ball game. And they, they won by 50 or whatever. Yeah, that and Trey dropped 40 and he wasn't even trying. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Trey is actually feeling really good and just comes out just firing away. Um, Darius Garland's been scoring at a high clip. Um, it's going to be a good game. So I'm, I'm going to take the Hawks, though, five and a half, which disgusts me. But uh, I think it's the right bet, just considering how bad Cleveland's been um, on this, this last stretch of games. All right, next game up, uh, Clippers plus two and a half at the Chicago Bulls. Total is 221 and a half. Uh, playoff P coming back, dropping 34 in his first game. Looking good. Pushing that P. Woo! Came the, in uh, scorching. God, it was really good in that game and a big comeback for them. Clippers open plus three and a half, now plus two and a half in BetMGM. 43% of the bets and 86% of the money is on the Clippers. Uh, I guess it's Clippers or nothing in this situation, or are we going to fade the, uh, yeah. the sharp action here? You know, uh, I thought that the sharp action was actually going to maybe sway this the other way. Like it only moved a point. And uh, last night I saw it at three and a half. I grabbed it just because um, right now, as I was talking about with the Atlanta Hawks, you know, so or I, was, I was talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers, the concern about the Bulls. Um, having Paul George back in the lineup and he looks pretty damn healthy to me. Like the way that he just went off in that third quarter. Um, he looks like he's ready to go. And Robert Covington is also back. They have a lot of wings to guard against the the Chicago bulls, you know? So DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are the primary offensive contributors for the bulls. Nikola Vucevic is like there, but like, I don't know. He's not, he's not making the impact that he was earlier. Whoa, 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 whoa. He had 27 points the other night. I had the over 18 and a half. Don't disrespect my boy Vucevic. He scores points, but he doesn't really play defense. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but against this Clippers team that like they're they're you know one of the slowest paced teams, they play defense, and Ty Lue has them very disciplined. And with Paul George in this lineup, um, I think this is actually probably closer to a pick'em. So the reason I grabbed three and a half, like I feel like they're the books are 
underappreciating how much Paul George might matter to this lineup based on who they're going against. But I also could just be, I don't know, maybe this is this is the book's right eye of, oh my God, Paul George is back. They defeated the, the Jazz after coming down from 25 yeah. points. Like maybe it's maybe it's that, but I actually think that the Clippers are going to be a better team. Like we saw this team, essentially this version of it, insert Robert Covington in there. Um, th- that was their playoff team last year when, when Kawhi went down and they were solid. Like they almost took down the sun. So I think that they're a better team than the Bulls with Paul George in the lineup. So assuming that Paul George can get like, you know, close to 30 minutes again, uh, I think that they could definitely cover this within three points. So right. I, I like it at two and a half. I would play this down. I I would probably play it to plus one. And then I wouldn't I wouldn't play it if, if it flips the other side. Got it. Okay. Uh, might have to do something on the Clippers here. Last game on the board. I don't even want to talk about this game. Lakers <laughs> plus 13 and a half in Utah. I guess the Jazz totals 227 and a half. End the season. I don't care. No one cares. This team isn't going anywhere. I made my case once. For why there's a puncher's chance, I was wrong. I'll eat the L, the opposite of Jameis Winston, eat the W. That's fine. Uh, 50, 53% of the bets and 87% of the money are on the Jazz. I did just see that Anthony Davis is going to come back and play against the uh on Friday. And I'm not sure when LeBron's going to be back. LeBron James is going to try and make a return to the lineup also for... Friday's game against the uh, the Pelicans. So, Lakers play tomorrow night against the Pelicans. I assume that they just flush this game down the drain with no AD and Braun. 13 and a half is a lot of points, but also the Lakers stink. So, I, the only thing I'll say about the Lakers is with AD and LeBron out, Westbrook's actually been okay. That's about all the positives I have. It's about all you can have, man. Um, you're right. So, I'm not going to be surprised if LeBron James plays tomorrow against the Pelicans because that 100% has playoff implication, implications. They're both in the playoff spot. They're both going for it. The Spurs are right on their ass, so they can't afford to lose many more games. The Spurs lost a, a tough one last night, pretty much at the buzzer. Um, they're going to need AD, and they're going to need LeBron, so I think they're going to rest this one out. Obviously, they're both out. I don't know that I want to – I'm not laying points with the Jazz. After what yeah. I saw against the Clippers and what they've been doing all season, when they're double-digit favorites – it is not good. Um, so I heard the stat last night. It was somewhere like, I want to say six and it is not a comfortable. I know that it's definitely to the, uh, it's definitely a bad record uh, streak against the, against the spread as double digit uh, favorites. So can't trust Utah. Maybe I'll play a Donovan Mitchell player prop or Rudy Gobert rebounds. He's probably going to get a ton of them against this Lakers team that I don't even know where they're going to generate scoring from outside of uh, Russell Westbrook and Malik Monk. Um, yeah, this game, spread-wise, stay away from me. Maybe if you like the Jazz, play them first half, first quarter. You know, maybe they get up really quickly. But I think I was seeing their first quarter was sitting at, like, something like six and a half, seven and a half. So that still seems like a lot to me. Um, but they do start out hot, and then they kind of fizzle out. So, yeah, maybe the, the first half, first quarter is the play, if you're that interested in it. All right. We got through the NBA. I have many player props to go place after this podcast is over. Now we get on to the NFL draft. This is what I came here for. This is one of my specialties. I love playing the NFL draft. It's one of my happiest days of the year, that Thursday, round one. I actually got asked this question uh, last weekend. What are my favorite sports days of the year? Round one NFL draft. I was the only one who said that was one of them, and it was literally one of my top four answers. Like, 
I, I love the NFL draft. Just I'm a fucking crazy person. So the bets that I've made thus far, very clearly, I only have three. Kyle Hamilton over six and a half plus 110. That number is gone out of the market. It is at eight and a half. There's a good chance he drops out of the top 10. I personally believe that he will. I think he's going to end up going 11th to Washington. Um, he mm. ran really slow at the Notre Dame uh, at the Notre Dame uh, day and uh, ran 471, 472, something like that. So that's just not going to work. I understand that his game tape is different, but 471, you're just having a tough time getting that through scouting departments at this point. Uh, under three and a half quarterbacks in round one. This is pretty easy. I don't know where a fourth quarterback is coming into the first round of this draft. Pickett probably makes in the first. Willis is definitely going to be in the first. Yeah. Ritter, maybe. But like Howell, Corral, uh, Carson Strong, none of those guys are making it into the first round here. And it's even like it's debatable if Pickett's going to be at this point. I don't think there's a lot of hype on him. He's kind of dropping down draft boards. So the only one that I'm super confident going in round one is going to be Willis. And then the last one, Aiden Hutchinson, to be the first pick in the draft. I bet this at minus 265. It's minus 300 in the market right now. It was at 400 or 450. There's been a lot of juice on uh, Trayvon Walker, the defensive lineman from Georgia. He obviously had a uh, great combine, great pro day. He looks awesome. The game tape kind of matches it. But Hutchinson just makes so much sense at one. And I actually think there's a chance that the Lions trade with the Jaguars to get the number one pick and pick Hutchinson, keep him in Michigan. So those are my bets on the board right now. I would say the risers that we got to watch out for, there's rumors that Sauce Gardner, the cornerback from Cincinnati, is going to go Yep, at number four. Uh, his line is currently sitting at seven and a half. So probably need a little bit more information to bet that, but we're getting close on that one. The Jets see, are death. Yeah. Do you see that? They, I've seen him draw comparisons to Devon, uh, to De, uh, Darrell Revis. Do you, do you believe in that hype? He's longer. I almost think he's more Richard Sherman. Uh, not mm. okay. These are these are Hall of Fame type players. Yeah. His me- his measurables kind of that. He's really really tall and long. Uh, he's way faster than uh, Sherman ran. Obviously, Sherman was like a fifth round pick out of Stanford, so right. a little bit different in that respect. Not as technical as Sherman was, but in terms of length and size, six three, uh, really really long arms. That's kind of the style of cornerback that you're looking at. I think he'll be really good. Personally, if you're asking me, I would still bet on Derek Stingley. I mm. You can't have a freshman year like that. His sophomore year, his COVID year, kind of throw that out for everybody. This year, yeah. he did with the Liz Frank injury, so you got to see how he bounces back from that. But the skill that he had, he was basically the number one quarterback in the entire country as a 17-year-old freshman at LSU on a national championship team, where every time in practice he's going up against Joe Burrow, Terrace, Mar- Terrace Marshall, Jamar Chase, and Justin. He was How do you get all that guy? Sauce Gardner, great. No one threw at you at Cincinnati. You're playing in against Cincinnati's opponents, which stink. And then you played one game against Alabama, and they knew not to throw to you. They torched the other guy, and they won by fucking 25 points. So as much as I <laughs> like him, and I like his length and speed and whatever – you're not playing the same competition. So I, I would still bet on Derek Stingley. And uh, if he's going to drop, I, I love the Vikings taking him at 12. I don't, I, he might drop past that. And his line's at 12 and a half right now. But put uh, put Stingley under Patrick Peterson's watch. Mm-hmm. Could be really good. Could be really, really good. Yeah, I was going to say that that would be a nice fit with Patrick Peterson just re-signing there or just signing there. <laughs> All right. So 
Uh, number one pick, Aiden Hutchinson for sure. I, minus 300 right now. The the juice is on Trayvon Walker, so just beware. But I think that a number up to 500 is probably safe. Second player to be drafted, assuming that the Lions keep the pick, I don't think they're going to go with Malik Willis. I think they will end up with Trayvon Walker. That's around plus 250 right now. And then the third player, what do you think that Houston's going to do? They could go anywhere on the board right now. The odds suggest that they're going to go for offensive linemen. Iki Kwanu is plus 175. Evan Neal plus 300. Trayvon Walker somewhere in here too. Uh, they could also go Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, they could go in any direction. Where do you th- What do you think they're going to do in first round? Uh, so Levy Smith's the coach. So part of me thinks that they would go edge rusher. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense, but you're right. They very much so could address the offensive line to this Mills or whoever they're going to playing quarterback back there, uh, this season. Um, I, I I'm going to lean though, because Lovey's a defensive minded coach. I, I'm going to think that they're going to go edge rusher because without an edge rusher, you can't put pressure on the def on the offense. You, you kind of got to start with your defense a little bit too. So, I mean, and we saw like, I mean, their, their offense was competent at times last year. So I think that their defense is probably more of the, the issue that they want to address. So if you like that angle, Kayvon Thibodeau plus 800 and Trayvon Walker plus 500 to be the third player drafted. Um, there's a Trayvon Walker might not be there. Kayvon Thibodeau almost absolutely will be there available at number three. I kind of like betting both of those if you want to fade the offensive lineman move. And then if you're going to fade the offensive lineman move at three, then there's a tumble effect because then you can take, yeah. I mean, New York Giants at five, almost certainly going to take whatever offensive lineman offensive is there. Yep. The Jets, if Neil and Aquanu are both on the board, may be tempted to go offensive lineman, even though they've drafted Elijah Vera Tucker and Mekhi Becton in the last two years. I could see that happening. I know that the Jets are going to take a wide receiver at 10 if they don't trade that pick. That is the lock of all locks. So if you find that out there, beware. Also, I'll say there are some rumors going around that Jamison Williams is the number one wide receiver on a lot of teams' draft boards. So mm. if you see him where his total is at 22 and a half, 21 and a half, something like that, basically the, the pick is the Patriots. I think he's going to go a little higher than people think. So maybe somewhere in the teens. That may be a good bet if you see that on the board. I haven't personally seen it. But I kind of like that. Another one that I'm looking at right now is first quarterback to be taken, Malik Willis minus 200. I think that's a lock. I'm like yeah. pretty sure that that's going to happen at this point. To uh, what destination do you think? Like, who's going to be the first team to pull the trigger there? Where, where's the first opportunity for it? Well, the first opportunity is the Lions. Yeah, I would say that, at, but they're, they're probably not going to go that immediately, right? Yeah. Not that high. And six is Carolina. So Carolina's probably going to end up – they have to keep Sam Darnold because of the way that his contract works contract, and it's fully yeah. guaranteed and he's not. they're not going to release him, whatever. Uh, Baker Stop. Mayfield's not going to go to Carolina. Uh, Jimmy G to Carolina makes a lot of sense. The question is, Carolina doesn't have any second or third or fourth round picks. I don't know how that's possible, but that's where we are right now. Uh, <laughs> so that's kind of what makes it hard to put together a San Francisco-Carolina trade unless you're doing players and future picks. Mm-hmm. So I think six makes some sense. I don't know that they like Willis. I think that they'll go offensive line there. Um, so then you get to nine, which is Seattle. If Seattle doesn't trade for Baker, it makes a lot of sense for them to go Willis. Yeah. That's kind of it. I, But then you're getting pet. Then you get to like 18 is where the next guy is. So that 18 uh, New Orleans, you have 20, which is Pittsburgh. Those two teams are probably going to be looking in the quarterback market, but 
there's not a whole lot to be honest with you. And yeah. I think the teams would really just want to wait for next year's draft where they're going to have a chance at, you know, some much better options than they have this year. Yeah. I think that that makes the justification for your not more than what three QBs in the first round. Three, three and a like, half. Yeah. Three and a half. Yeah. I think that that's yeah. a great bet taking the under on that one. Um, one day, yeah. So I was just looking at this. What are your thoughts on top five? I think that's one of the one of the areas I'm going to be targeting. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau plus one thirty five um, to go in the to top be, five. How do you feel about that? Uh, I think there's a chance he goes at three, four, or five. I'm pretty I'm definitely sure he's not going to go one. Right. I'm pretty sure that he's not going to go two because his brash style. That's not going to work with Dan Campbell. It's like totally not going to work. Uh, mm. Three Houston. Maybe, like we just said, if it ends up being Hutchinson one, Trayvon Walker two, Thibodeau three, if they want to go defense, makes a lot of sense. I think that they're still going to go offensive line. Four with the Jets. Four with the Jets is really interesting. I feel like I feel like Thibodeau and Sala, like Sala likes those assholes. Thibodeau definitely kind of fits that mold. Uh, (laughs) That could be good. The Giants, I think, are more inclined to take a defensive player at seven instead of five. I think at five, they're pretty sure that they're going to take an offensive lineman, whatever the best ones there of Cross, Neal, and uh, Equanu. So you're looking at three or four. I think it's tight. I would probably bet the over, but um, I don't feel great about either side there. Okay. Uh, what other what other top fives you got? Uh, the other one I was looking at was actually um, Evan Neal, but he's minus twenty. He's at he's at minus two seventy five, so he's pretty much a short bet. So now that I'm trying to think about that is like as you're evaluating the top five, it's almost like there's only edge rushers and linemen that are really going to be in the top five. And so when you were talking about the cornerback to go possibly as high as six. Yeah. Sauce. Um, I think sauce. I sauce could go four for sure to the jets, but that's it. I don't think he'll go five. He has a chance to go four, four, six, seven, eight, I think are his options. Okay. So being that you said that I might even take that as top 10 for, for sauce, which I'm seeing is where is sauce? Uh, they don't even have him in that. At least not on DraftKings. Um, okay, they got him at plus one thirty for top five, and my yeah, they definitely got him going top ten. So there's no value there. Um, yeah, that's I was really just curious about Kayvon Thibodeau. That was the one that was kind of staring out to me. Um. Kyle Hamilton, you mentioned him at the top. Um, I did see, I did see him mock to the Jets at one point, but as you said, um, seems like that that comb, that uh, pro day might have hurt his stock a little bit there. But he's, he's at definitely- uh, he's at uh, two to one uh, essentially to go in top five, so not not great value there. I would bet against that if you can. Uh, I don't think that there's any chance that he goes top five anymore. I don't think that. Like I, if if you had to give me the over under, so I bet it at six and a half. If you give me the over under ten and a half, I would still take the over. I think he's going to fall to eleven. I'm fairly confident about that at this point. Although you know we got a month left, so there's a lot. Uh, but the the three bets that I'm definitely on is the Hamilton over under quarterback and Hutchinson first overall. Hutchinson for first overall. I know that I'm going to have thousands of dollars in that market by the time we're done here, just because I'm so <laughs> confident about it. And then. Jacksonville and Trent Bulky are going to screw me on Trayvon Walker. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not excited <laughs> about that. But otherwise, um, I'm super interested in the market. I'll tweet out whatever bets that I make. It's also on the sheet that's attached to my Twitter handle. Uh, you can look at all the XL doc for my mock draft and 
uh, what picks I, or what bets I've made thus far. Also, forgot to mention at the top, there's a seven stakes final four going on right now. So go join that. It'll be a lot of fun for uh, for the final four. Um, that does it, Dan. I think we're done. We've put in thousands of dollars worth of bets. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ho- hopefully, hopefully we get UNC against uh, oh, whoever on the other side. I don't care as long as Villanova covers. Uh, as long as the first half is an under, I'm cool too. <laughs> All right, that does it. Uh, we'll be back sometime next week. Uh, to break down more bets. Until then, Dan, good luck. And uh, go North Carolina. Go Tar Heels. Go Tar Heels. Let's do it. See ya. Peace.